2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 17. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Now we'll see this in a moment, but Jehoshaphat had every reason to be terrified from a human standpoint. But he says, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. So I want us to think about this matter of standing still. We're, you know, our theme for this year is stand. And sometimes we think of stand only in the sense we mentioned the other night about standing for doctrine, standing against error. But this is not what this kind of standing is about. This kind of standing is standing in confidence and faith that God is going to do what He said He would do. And that's a good place to be standing. And let's pray as we begin tonight. Father, thank You for Your Word. Bless as we study together. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Feed our soul. Speak to us from the very words of God, we pray. And Father, we... Believe tonight that those of us who are here are here because you and your providence have us here and we want to receive what you have for us from the Word of God tonight. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to take a little time in beginning just to refresh our memory, kind of set the stage for what's taking place here. Jehoshaphat is a king of Judah. This time the kingdom is divided. The Israel is the northern kingdom. Judah is the southern kingdom. The capital of the southern kingdom is uh, Jeh- uh, Jerusalem. And so Jehoshaphat is the king. And um, he's been notified that there's a confederation of armies that are coming against him. Look in verse uh, 1 and 2, if you would, of Second Chronicles 20. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon or Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Not just one country, not just one army, but several armies. Verse 2 says, Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazaz and Tamar, which is in Gedi. You might remember in Gedi um, was one of the places that David found refuge whenever Saul was after him. As a matter of fact, it was one of the caves of En Gedi where he cut off part of the robe of Saul. And uh, so we've been to En Gedi. It's a beautiful place in a very arid and very desert-like place. Do we have a map of this? We do have a map of this for our geography lesson tonight. You see the Dead Sea in the southern part of Israel. You see the city of Jerusalem. That's where uh, the capital of Judah is. And you see where En Gedi is, right on the Dead Sea, about halfway down uh, the center of the Dead Sea, on the western shore of the Dead Sea. And En Gedi is a very, like I said, it's a beautiful place. 
Um, and so that's where the... And here are these three armies that are assembled in Engedi. You have the Ammonites all on the other side of the sea, the other side of the Jordan River, the Moabites, and the Edomites. They're from Seir. And by the time... Just look where Engedi is. By the time Jehoshaphat got word that these armies were approaching him, they were already in Engedi. They were camped there. So you got it? Got, your, got it pictured in your mind? And so news comes to Jehoshaphat that there's trouble brewing to the south. And uh, thank you, And Jehoshaphat understood this to be very serious. Look in verse 3, it says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So he immediately takes this seriously. We read a moment ago in verse 12, if you look there with me, O our God, he's praying at this point, talking to the Lord, O our God, wilt thou not judge them, talking about their enemies? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. I mean, he he saw himself as being completely helpless in this situation. But, he said, our eyes are on you. So, it's really a textbook lesson from Jehoshaphat on what to do when you're facing something that's bigger than you are. When, When something that is you know that you're completely, utterly, absolutely helpless to accomplish. And if you look with me again in verse, <coughs> pardon me, in verse 3, he feared him, set himself to seek the Lord, proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 4, it says, And Judah gathered themselves together. We're not talking about a little community. We're talking about an entire nation. He he called for a fast, a nationwide prayer proclamation, a nationwide plea for people to pray. And what were they to ask for, verse 4 says? To ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. I mean, that says something about these people. Could you imagine if Governor Parsons were to proclaim in Missouri, we're going to have a statewide prayer meeting in Jefferson City, and we're in a crisis, and for people from every city to come and seek the Lord. You can kind of imagine what that would would have been like. And so he's praying, he's seeking the Lord, having public prayer. Look in verse 5, and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah, and I'm going to read quite a number of verses, so follow along with me. Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem. He stood before the people in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, so he begins his prayer, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel? Talking about what we sang about earlier, about the giants in the land, the Canaanites. And gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever. 
And they dwelt therein, talking about your people, here in this land where he occupied in Jerusalem and Judah. And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, and this was a part of the prayer of dedication when Solomon's temple was dedicated, if when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, this is Jehoshaphat's prayer to God. If these things happen, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, talking about his presence, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, he gets to the point. Behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when thou when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not, behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession. They're going to try to remove us from the land you gave us, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. It's quite a scene to try to imagine in your mind. All these people congregating there in Jerusalem, being led in prayer by the king to seek the Lord and, and, and ask God, God, you said you'd help us. You said if we got there, he's kind of reiterating to God the promises of God. We could, you know, we could turn to that, but it's not necessary for most of us. When Solomon stood and prayed at the dedication, this was a part of his prayer. If, if, if we were to come into famine or pestilence, if enemies come and conquer us, God, and we pray in this place, you said you'd come and help us. And he's saying, it's, it's time for you to come and help us. And so notice what the Lord did in verse 14. If you look there with me, please. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Matani, uh, <laughs> a Levite of the sons of Asaph, upon him came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. God's Spirit just came upon this man right in this prayer meeting. And he said, he's a prophet, and this is what he said. Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou King Jehoshaphat. He said, I've got a message from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go you down against them Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Now, that's an amazing thing, really. God answered the prayer of Jehoshaphat by sending a prophet. 
to say, this is what the Lord said. And you don't have to be afraid. The Lord's going to take care of it. Now, a lot of times a person might look at that and say, I know the Lord said that, but I mean, how's this really going to help? Or what's, how can we fix this? I mean, there's surely more than we can do. But for these people, the Lord's word was enough for them. God spoke and God said, chill, sort of. It's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of it. And notice how the people responded in verse 18. Immediately, this was was Jehoshaphat's response. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Isn't that an amazing thing? I mean, the enemy hadn't changed. These armies are still assembled. Matter of fact, this prophet gave them an up-to-date intelligence on exactly where the enemy were, but was. But victory was assured to these people. I mean, they, they, they began to worship God. They had no more people than they had before this. The enemy had no fewer people than before this. But there's something changed in them because they had God's Word. They had God's message. Now, I just want to let that sink in for a little bit because really, we have, the, we have God's Word. I'm not talking about God's Word against our physical enemies, but we have God's Word throughout this book. The, the same God who spoke to them through this prophet speaks to us through the message of the prophets and preachers and His Word. And so look in verse um, 19 and following. It says, The Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. They just began to praise God. Verse 20 It says, they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Hear what I'm about to say. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe his prophets. So shall you prosper. And so he's, this is, the king said, just believe in the Lord. You know, sometimes we say to a person, or someone says to us, just trust the Lord. And you know what? Sometimes it kind of it it just doesn't really resonate with us. Like there's got to be more to do than that. Just trust the Lord. But that's what he said, just trust the Lord. Believe in the Lord. And then he said, believe in the prophets. And he's not just talking about believing the people, the prophets. He's talking about the word of the prophets. Believe what the God says and believe what the Bible says. And look what he says in verse 20. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. And believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness. And a person might think, what has that got to do with a, a winning a battle? I mean, we're trying, we're trying to defeat our enemies. We're trying to win this victory. We're trying to go out against these, these, this multitude of people who hate us. But what he said was, he said, I want you to start praising the beauty of God's holiness. 
as they went out before the army. Imagine that, singing the choir, send the choir out in front of the army. And to say, praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing in verse 22, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. He sent out ambushments against the these, these three armies, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. They were self-destructing. Another place it says he discomfited the armies. They're just so confused, they're, they're killing each other. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. So the, the people of Ammon, the army of Ammon and the army of Moab, destroyed the, the inhabitants of Mount Seir. And then, after they were destroyed, they turned on each other. And the, you know what? It's, Judah's done nothing. All Judah has done is this. They've sought the Lord... They've prayed, they've fasted, they've believed the message that the prophets brought them, and they've just praised the Lord and worshiped God for the victory that He's promised. Isn't this an amazing story? Don't you just love this? If I read this every day, I'd never get tired of reading this and thinking about the victory that God had for those people. Verse 24 says, And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness... They're coming upon the scene where these people were. They looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. None. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, that's the stuff they left. These people have killed each other. They've left everything. When the people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves. They just are taking the spoils more than they could carry away. And there were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. <laughs> Spent whole, three whole days just picking up jewelry and gathering up riches and food and what it and weapons, three days. You really believe that happened? I mean, you believe it happened just like that? That's exactly the way it happened. God gave a great victory. Now I'll go back to verse 17. And I just want to think about this command that came from God to the prophet, to the people, in verse 17. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. You know, it doesn't always work this way. That, that, one of the reasons we, we really appreciate this story is it was so unique, Right? I mean, God has given His people victory in many, many, many cases throughout the Bible. But this is a most unusual one. Usually when God gives the victory, His people are actively engaged in some way. 
We're reading in the book of Genesis, many of us are, and when Abraham found out that Lot, who lived in Sodom, had been taken captive, Abraham was not a military leader, but he had trained people to defend themselves, which is a good thing, by the way. And he took those people and went against another confederate group of armies. He took those people... Abraham did, and he slew those who held Lot captive. God gave the victory, but people were engaged. That's the common way. When David came upon his brothers in the valley of Elah, and the Philistine army was out there mocking God, David engaged Goliath, the the champion of the Philistines, and he And with his own slingshot, he killed him. If you read about David's mighty men, I love reading about David's mighty men. They stood up against sometimes hundreds of people and single-handedly they beat these people. But they did engage the enemy. I'm just saying, normally that's the way it happened. It's the way it happened to Joshua with his army. It's the way it happened with the judges, with Gideon, with Samson, with Ehud, with Othniel. This is the way it normally happens. It ha- how is, is that God would take His people and they would engage the enemy, but in every case, they were trusting the Lord. God never ever in the Bible magnifies men for winning battles in their own strength. He, he honors men who win the battle trusting the Lord. But this case is different. In this case... God said to Jehoshaphat, stand still. Now just in review, it wasn't as if Jehoshaphat was doing nothing. We've already looked at that. He was praying. He was gathering the people to seek the Lord together. He was putting together a praying people. Directed the entire nation to pray for God's help. He confessed his own weakness. He said, we have no might against this enemy. We may as well not even fight because we can't beat them. He reminds God of his promises. God, I just want to bring to your recollection what you said and what our our people said and how you blessed at the construction of the temple. So in other words, he's not idle. It'd It'd be foolish for one of us to sit by and do absolutely nothing and say, God, you win this victory. No, he's praying. He's seeking God. He's fasting. He, but he can't beat this enemy. He's seeking the Lord. And what did God say? Set yourselves. Look in verse 17 of the language. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord. You know what God wanted Jehoshaphat to do? He wanted him to depend on God completely. Not just partially, not just mostly. He wanted him to depend on God completely. And that was what Jehoshaphat repeated in verse 20. Trust in the Lord, believe in the Lord, and you'll be established. Believe His prophets and you shall prosper. Now, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we even realize it or not, sometimes this is hard for us to do. Just believe in God completely. 
Isn't it? I mean, just trust the Lord completely. And if you were to take a few moments tonight and think about something in your life, I'm not talking about, you know, something small, even though it would work for that, but I mean things that we really struggle with. Some situation, maybe some character quality we're trying to change, some character flaw, some addiction, some relationship that's fractured, some area that we just can't really seem to get the victory in. And one of the things that frustrates us sometimes, whether we realize it or not, is we think we ought to be able to do it. But sometimes there are things we just can't do on our own. And God knows that. And I think sometimes it's a challenge for people to come to the place to just say, I'm going to trust God completely with this. Trust Him in His his faithfulness. Sometimes my experience has been that we, we feel like the, only, the, the thing that really motivates us to trust the Lord finally is we've done everything we know to do. We've tried to do it in our own flesh. We've tried to do it in our own strength. We've tried to do it in our own wisdom. And we just keep falling short. When all along, what God wants us to do is trust Him completely. Trust Him completely. This particular passage here in verse 20, where it says, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe His prophets, so shall you prosper. That was one of our devotions this year, uh, this month in January. Um, and I want to read a few, a few sentences from the Straight Paths devotion. I think it was on... For some reason, I'm thinking it was on January the 2nd, but I'm not sure. But here's a part of the, the devotion, just a few sentences. Rather than immediately looking to the Lord as our sufficiency, we resort to worrying and fretting. Discouragement and distress can break in upon our soul. Peace gives way to turmoil and confusion. Then we realize that we have failed to remember this simple yet profound bit of counsel. We're supposed to be trusting in the Lord. It's no wonder that our spiritual lives are prone to such changes and our confidence in victory comes and goes. We're not established because we don't believe God as we should. Some, what God, I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to do our part. That's, I, this, there's a phrase, it's a Bible phrase, uh, that I've probably quoted as many as any other in the Bible over these 40 years. Trust in the Lord and do good. God just not saying, be, don't, God never says just to be idle, be complacent, be passive. Faith is not passive. 
Faith is engaged. Faith is active. Faith is looking to God. Faith is trusting God. But what happens sometimes is we want to do it in our own energy and it doesn't work. Paul had it right. There is no good thing that dwelleth within me that is within my flesh. We can't do it on our own. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. God never expects us to do it on our own. But He does expect us to trust Him completely to do it. Anything that God wants us to do, He can enable us to do. Anything. Any changes we need to make in our life. Any fears that we have to overcome. Any character flaws or frustrations or the the tendency to worry and fret and all these things, none of these things please God. None of these things that, we're, that I'm talking please God. It doesn't please the Lord if I'm a, always worrying. and It doesn't please Him at all. You know what pleases God is when I trust Him. And He wants to be trusted. So the Lord says to Jehoshaphat, stand still. And what is He to stand on? He's to stand on God's Word. He's simply to stand on what God says. Their might could not win. Their opinions could not win. Their own ability could not conquer. But they could stand on what God said through His prophet. And as I said earlier, there there are no prophets. Forget about what people say about being apostles and prophets like they were in the Bible. There There are no prophets today like there were in the Bible who foretell the Word of God. Prophets today just tell forth what's in the book. So we have just as much God's Word as Jehoshaphat had God's Word about particular things in our life. We're to stand in faith. Stand in faith. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give over to worry. They would be established through their trust in God. Now, I can remember early, the early days of my Christian life when I first heard this passage preached on. Before I ever moved here, I was a kid. 21, 22. But I remember a sermon on this passage, and I remembered how, how utterly remarkable it was, as I, in my mind, as a new Christian, could see an army made up of numerous national military might coming against God's people who were terribly outnumbered. But in front of Judah's army was the choir singing. That made a great impression on me as a young Christian, and it still makes a great impression on me today. They had the victory. They were singing and shouting the victory before they ever got to the army. Isn't that an amazing thing? Before they, ever, before they ever got to the army, they were singing and worshiping God. And here we are, and I put myself in this, here we are, many thousands of years later, with much, 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 much more revelation from God. 
And not just knowing God like they know Him, but knowing Him personally, indwelling our life. The Spirit of God in us. The promise, all the promises of God are yea and amen in Him. And all that we have, and still sometimes when we're struggling, we can't bring ourselves to praise the Lord and worship God. Is that true or not? Stand still. Standing on what God says. And trust God to do what only God can do. It's a pretty good formula, amen? Stand.